Bench Racing Radio. Bench Racing Radio. The podcast with your hosts, Eric Gio and Anthony Leake. Okay, Google. Uh, play The Boys Are Back in Town. That's how I wanted to start things off here. See, we can't play music in the background, otherwise our, our podcast won't get loaded up. And now I got a bunch of people scrambling to turn off their <laughs> stereos. And and uh, but they got the they got the feeling right though. They got the thin lizzy. They got it rolling. You know. That's right. That's right. They yeah. had to turn it down a little bit, but uh, it's right. playing. But in the, the important background. thing is that the the boys are back. That's right. And while that boys that had been away, how you been, buddy? I've been good. Uh, it's been busy. Yeah. It's been. I mean, anybody can say that. But this fall in particular was was quite a bit going on. I I would say only now has things really started to settle enough. I mean, usually we're we're pumping out podcast material like the second week in November. Like we are a month behind because it's just been that kind of fall. Yeah, it really was. I mean, what a year. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, between getting going with the whole sprint car operation and doing that. And then uh, finally getting married here in the fall for me. Uh, that was, there was a lot happening. I, Congratulations, I by October the way. And, yeah. Thank you. It was, uh, it was a great day, but, uh, but yeah, I, I talked to you in October. It was like, dude, I don't even know when I can even think about this. So I wasn't even thinking about it. It's surprising that you even got a hold of me. Cause I was just like, yeah, okay, that's a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, and we started yeah, getting questions like, from people. People were like, "When were we going to start this again?" And it was kind of like, "Oh, oh, we got a fan base. We got to start doing things. People expect content. We got to get going right. before Christmas time. Got to give the people what they want. That's right. That's why we're here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it was a, a heck of a racing season. It was great to get uh, everything going. How were things out at Lake of the Woods Speedway? You know what? It was it was great. It was really good. It was nice not having any restrictions. You know, 2021, we had a, a cap, and the year before, we had nobody. It was a very wet spring for everybody. Um, by the time I yeah, got how many the, races did you lose to rain out? Luckily, we, didn't, we don't start till July, right. so we didn't miss any. Nice. But when I finally got on the racetrack on June 15th, 10 days before practice, there was grass growing on the track, like weeds were popping out. That's how, that's how wet it had been. You know, we had almost four feet of snow. I don't think the last of it left till the first week of May. And then it rained, it rained and it rained and it rained record levels on the lake. And I mean, we're lucky. We have really good drainage. We have good parking area and all that. So that's not a problem. Although clay in the springtime is soft as could be. There was actually at one point when I, I got the loader out there, thank you from Dunnett Contracting for the help on that, um, that it was so soft working on the racetrack or working, you know, back and forth doing reberming and stuff that it didn't even look like a racetrack. Like it just, it, the grass was so thick, the weeds were so thick, the track was so soft that by the time I was done driving around on it and doing stuff with the loader, it just, it looked like a plowed, literally a plowed field with <laughs> way too many weeds that were a foot or two long already and it was yeah it was it it got into shape pretty quick and the racing season got better and better we've figured out some things about how this track takes the water um we we got it uh smooth eventually after you know it was so hard to keep the holes out of it because it was so soft in, in the july 30th race 
for the dinner jacket the second day. Of course, it rained three inches uh, mm-hmm. that night, so we couldn't run the next day because it was so soft. If it was dry all summer and we had that three inches of rain, it probably wouldn't even have done anything because we've we've had that before. But it was so soft that the modifieds were pushing so much torque into the track going through the corners that it was actually like folding over like dough. Like it wasn't like punching out. It was the cars were literally pushing the clay over, creating like a rut. And the clay would just, you know, if you take a a rolling pin with dough and you start rolling it like that, that's what it started doing. And, uh, we, we, I shaved it as best I could that night and we couldn't race. But after that, it started to dry out and we figured out how to get the moisture in that track on an afternoon show. And it just got smoother. It got less dusty. Uh, it started widening out. Um, and like some of our best racing was in the last few weeks of the summer. So I'm really looking forward to what we were able to do this year and applying it into next year and, and, and making that more efficient on how the tools that we have now to use and, and hoping to get some more clay. We couldn't even get clay in the spring that I'd hoped because it was so wet and um, I'm hoping we'll be able to do it next year and and finish shaping the track the way we wanted to. We got three out of four corners. Okay, it's just one corner left and some sand spots. Um, but I'm really hoping we have a good spring so that we can do some more work out there. We have other things planned as well at upgrading the place, and you know we ain't going to stop. That's for sure. Yeah, no, it's just a, a steady march of progress at that place. It's always always cool to see. Last year I didn't get to go and, and race there, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I know it's, it's great to see everything that's still going on out there in Kenora. Yeah, we had our first responders day for the first time and, and we had a helicopter go by and emergency vehicles do a parade around the track. And we had a lot of new fans for that event as well. And, and it, was, it was just, it was an awesome way to cap off the season. I'm just really proud of all our volunteers and, and all the drivers who took the time to travel, um, especially those that could make it weekly. Uh, I know it's not easy on them, uh, especially when we had our Friday night shows and they had to rush out of there. Um, and because of, we we noticed, we've seen trends, even with COVID, we've seen trends and it seems like our Sunday afternoons are, we're averaging probably a hundred people more on Sunday cool. shows than Friday shows. And um, so we decided that we're going to go all Sundays next year, which I think okay. will, yeah, which will help, I think, um, those that want to travel for points a little bit, they don't have to feel like they're panicking on a couple Friday shows. Uh, I know even my brother, for example, can't make the Friday nights, but he's there every Sunday. So, you know, that helps with car counts and it helps to make sure that people aren't rushing to get here. And uh, we'll see how it works with the full season next year. And I think the other reason why I felt very confident with moving to Sundays is because I think we've figured out the track enough to, make it racy on an afternoon show without having it a complete dust storm or getting it to slick off. I mean, we only had like 19 or 20 cars for our last show in September. And by the time the Midwest mod feature went out there, which was a great side-by-side battle, it's on YouTube at cool down um, on YouTube. Check it out. We've seen in the past where when this track slicks off, it becomes at least two lanes there the upper lane really starts to happen we've seen it with paul veert in 2020 uh we saw it this year with uh with glenn strand we saw it with david simpson this year lots more passing on the outside um 
but we had so few cars. And by the end of that feature, not even the start of it or halfway through that feature, you would think we had run 60, 70 cars around that track already um, mm. with almost no dust. And um, that's been, re- it's been a real stickler on me with the dust and, and not so much even the dust, just the marbles and that creates the dust. And then they, there's so much loose stuff halfway, not even halfway up the racetrack. It became a bottom laner. And uh, I, th- yeah. I think we've solved a lot of that this year. We learned a lot this year. Um, both uh, Blair Bodley and my father uh, came up with some ideas and how we should use some tools and create some tools. And uh, they really, yeah, made a huge difference. You'd, I can only imagine if, if we can apply this. I'm, I know I'm rambling on, but if we can apply the same uh, approach as we did in those last four races this year at the Dinner Jacket Classic when we have 75 cars, Oh boy, is it going to be two nights is probably some of the best racing you'll ever see at this track. Like I'm, that's how excited I am about what we tried this year that became so successful for the racing surface as a whole, that between the new clay to reshape some of the track and fill in some of these holes that we have to a new type of prep work. Um, man, I'm so looking forward to that two day show when we can really slicker from bottom to top and and put on some good racing. So not that we haven't had bad racing. It's just the consistency of good racing, uh, has eluded us, looted us for the most part up until late this year. Yeah. Well, that's man. When you get the bottom pushing marbles up onto the rest of the racetrack, it doesn't matter how good of a driver you are or how great the track was prepped before that you just can't put on a good show on that stuff. It just becomes asphalt racing, you know? Yep. Yep. So, uh, it's good to, good to see. Um, oh yeah, by the way, my, uh, my little joke that I played on everybody here with, uh, starting the speaker, um, your speakers are always listening to you. Cause mine actually did start playing in some <laughs> other room in the house. <laughs> I was just texting Brittany here like, Hey, can you please turn it down? She's like, turn one down. <laughs> turns out the speaker in the gym started going off. That's funny. So yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh poof. Anyway. So anyway, don't, uh, don't play, <laughs> don't play games with people's speakers on your podcast, kids. That's right. <laughs> Only weekend. Yeah. That's right. That's uh we're, see, we're learning the hard way for the people. That's true. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, uh, finally got – we did get a bit of racing uh, going again here. I mean, there isn't really much of an off-season anymore. No. Uh, but the uh, the Gateway Dirt Nationals got going there last weekend in St. Louis, and that's uh, – I don't know. It, it seemed – it's one of those events, when I looked at it at first, I was like, there is no way a track that short can put on a good show with these big cars. And I figured the only track that, or the only cars that would be any good on it would be the really small ones, the midgets. And, uh, this year they actually dropped the midgets from the program because they were just not getting very good mm-hmm. uh, support. And, uh, and that was kind of an interesting one, but it makes sense kind of when you look at it, everybody's really just saving their stuff up for the chili bowl here in January. You know, you go to gateway and you wreck some stuff. Now you're in the doghouse all Christmas. That's right. Because you're fixing everything and you're getting ready to go back out here because it's, you know, second week of January and, and the holidays come at you fast. So Yeah, they only ended up uh, with like, what, 14 or something when they ran them last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a really weird, like they just didn't get the support. It was uh, it was kind of strange, but... Uh, I get it though. But 
Oh, totally. As a promoter, you're not going to just keep trying to push that, right? But uh, but no, fantastic support there for uh, for the A mods and the late models. And uh, man, what a storyline in the uh, in the late model feature with mm-hmm. Tyler Herb taking home the win, and then getting out of the car and in victory lane announcing that you know that he did it for his dad who passed away earlier in the week, who was at the races there. That's with right. Him. He woke up one day and and passed away and uh, it was just a, a terrible story and, and just a um but you know amazing uh, perseverance on his part mm. it, was, uh, it was quite the thing I, I don't know how you can focus at a time like that though to go and, and win a race like that i mean I, it's sheer determination at the end of the day yeah it, it really is and just you know sometimes you don't uh in those situations, you just want to get away from, from that, Yeah, you know, from even thinking about that and, right. and just going and racing would be the only thing that he knows how to do really. So, uh, no, just absolutely crazy and, and not, you know, historically haven't always been the biggest turbo fan. Um, but, uh, but he definitely, he won a lot of respect for me here last week. That mm-hmm. was quite the performance and uh, he showed a lot of heart. Yeah, I watched Sticking some. Around. I watched some of the highlights from Friday. I didn't see much from Saturday at this point, but the track looked like it held up really well this year. Um, it also looked like, man, that that high line is really starting to work for a lot of people there. <laughs> it it is just full sand. Like <laughs> it is wild. The guys that are ripping around the top. Yeah, there, it's, it's really something. To I can't see believe how much that. speed they're getting on the outside of that little racetrack. Yeah. It's something, but, uh, but no, definitely, definitely another good program. And, uh, the, the show's starting to get itself into, you know, being part of the racing calendar here for a lot of people every year. So, and I, and I recommend- a lot of people, even him included, uh, said, I mean, we tore this car up pretty good racing here. You know, they, it's pretty tough on their equipment, but, uh, but he, he went home 30 grand richer and, uh, he was, he was okay with that. Pace for a new body. Yeah, and a few uh, bolt-ons. Hey, Kenny Wallace yeah. said it really well on Sunday morning. You know, he says, "At the end of the day, the Gateway Nationals is a celebration of dirt track racing." And uh, I thought it was a really neat little video. But uh, he says, "You know, there's lots of people out there that still say, um, you know, why you go to that dome? Why do you go and tear shit up? You know?" And he says, "You got to be there to believe it." <laughs> Once you've been there, you know why we're willing to tear that stuff up. Because at the end of the day, it's a celebration of dirt racing. And um, he says you can't go wrong with that. Like he never even thought of getting out of that car after winning that B main. And he says, you know, he did it. And he said it's a highlight. I'm 59 years old. He says it's a highlight of my career. And I went to six Daytona 500s. You know, so I just thought that was really neat. And um, I watched the video of him getting out and hearing that crowd or the crowd with the Tyler Carpenter deal on the Friday. Holy, that crowd was so loud. Um, Phenomenal. Yeah, it really was. And that, and uh, on the heroes there, there was the, uh, what did he call himself? The one kid, the the pit lizard pimp. (laughs) (laughs) It's just ridiculous. There's some great storylines that come out of the dome that you probably wouldn't get at any other no, racetrack. And I think that that, I think that's where you're kind of alluding to, like it's becoming something of just, it's, it's, it's not just serious and entertainment. It's like the kind of entertainment that 
you only get in an arena like that, you know, <laughs> like yeah, a WWE exactly. kind of situation. It's like, it's fake, but it's real, but it, we're not quite yeah. sure. It's like a blurred <laughs> line thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh no, it, it's a cool one. It's definitely one I'd like to go to check off the bucket list. For yeah. Me. I've had some people from around here go to that and, um, they say like, once you go once you're just dreaming of the next time you can go back. So that, I think that bodes really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was definitely, uh, well, I don't know how you could see that Kenny Wallace reaction that he got and not be like, oh yeah, I can go there sometime. Yeah. Because yeah, that was just ridiculous. But uh, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a good one. Okay, well, uh, we got a great interview on tap for you guys here tonight. And, uh, and then we're going to come back after the interview and we've got Mad Max lined up to do some more uh, mailbag questions. We've been piling up over the summer. we got to empty out the... Empty out the mailbag, so we'll uh, but we'll jump into it here. This is a really fun one with uh, a guy that I got the pleasure of uh, getting to know a little bit here this summer. Let's do it. Our next guest on Bench Racing Radio hails from North Dakota. Originally came up racing modifieds, won some championships and some races in that series before eventually switching over to the sprint cars. And running and starting up the Western Renegade Sprint Car Series and becoming a pretty darn good driver in that series as well. Welcome to the podcast, number 15T, Miles Tomlinson. How's it going, Miles? Really good. Uh, thank you, Eric and Anthony, for having me on. I appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, we had, had so much fun getting to know you and your family, getting to race with you guys this year. And, uh, and it was just... A, a total pleasure getting to go hang out with my friends and then also uh, starting up a, a whole new, or, you know, for me starting in a new class this year and getting to go, uh, go wheel to wheel with you guys and, and, and do that stuff. It was just, it, it was an absolute blast. So it's, uh, it, it's been fun getting to know uh, the whole group out there. It's quite the group that you guys have put together. Yeah. You know, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think you can attest to this a lot that we, we are super competitive on the racetrack, but I think the, the coolest thing for us is it is different than like your more uh, high level competitive classes where we're all one big family in the pits and we're all more than willing to help out and help each other, whether it's, you know, setups or even when it comes down to, you know, if a guy wrecks a car, typically there's three or four teams that'll hop in and, and, you know, leave their own stuff unattended to, to come help each other out. And, and I think that's what makes it so much more fun. And then of course, uh, driving one of our cars is just unbelievable in my personal opinion. Absolutely. have to agree with you there. Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get into that stuff uh, a little bit later here and you know, what, what you're racing now and how we're doing that. But, uh, we'll start off like we always do. We'll go back to the start. Tell us about the first time you ever remember going to the racetrack. Oh, man. Uh, honestly, I know this is going to be crazy, but I remember going when I was like three or four years old. Uh, my dad raced uh, with soda modifieds growing up, and we used to go quite often um, where we used to live up in northeast North Dakota. They had a racetrack called uh, Hamilton Speedway. It was about 10 miles away from where we used to live, which was Cavalier, North Dakota. So we were there every Sunday night, a uh, lot of good memories there, met a lot of great people over the years. I know uh, people just through racing from watching them as a little kid. And 
I never got to go to Winnipeg, uh, but I, w- I was able to go to Greenbush, and I, I think I went to Grand Forks a couple of times, but then again, that was, you know, 28 years ago, so um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my first memories of it is just going, and uh, I always remember sitting up in the grandstands with my mom and my grandma and playing cars on the bleachers until dad would go out, and then my attention was solely on the racetrack, so yeah, your your dad was uh, and still is a pretty good competitor in the modifieds. I uh, I chatted with a few people up here about you know how did that guy used to do when he came up here, and they said he was freaking quick. <laughs> it was uh, it, it was pretty cool that like he he had some pretty good success up here in Winnipeg. I I believe did he not? Yeah, I he he's very humble, so he would never brag about stuff like this. But I mean, uh, when he's when we moved up there, he moved into the Wasoda A mod class. He used to drive what was called a Dakota Modify, basically just a smaller engine up in Minot, North Dakota, when when he was living out there. And uh, he came out here, joined Wasoda, and I know for sure he won one, possibly two track championships just up in your guys' area, you know, which is which is kind of neat full circle that uh, – you know, now I race with people from that area, and he he raced a, a lot of his career up there. But yeah, tons of wins, tons of success, and uh, yeah, I'd say he can still get after it. I mean, he won our uh, our annual A mod special up here in Underwood this year uh, with a five year old car in the A mods, which is something to something to be said nowadays. So he he can still get after it when he wants to. Yeah, definitely. Um... What like how did that work when you were a kid when you you started out were you were like for moving from you know northeast or North Dakota all the way down to Turtle Lake which I can tell you is a pretty good drive uh what's uh you know what was the the impetus to move like that so my uh my dad's family lives in Turtle Lake and growing up um we would come here for weeks at a time uh the whole family so we we actually had a lot of relationships here outside of family. Um, a lot of my really good friends I actually have known in this town since I was you know five, six, seven years old, and I didn't move. We didn't move here till my senior year of high school when I was eighteen. Uh, and kind of just you know the opportunity was there um, to move. We we kind of wanted to move uh, type deal, and my dad had the opportunity to get his dream job working at the the Falkirk mine, the big drag line that you've seen at the racetrack. My dad works out at the mine out there. Um, okay. And he had the chance to go work out there and we just, uh, we took it, you know, and from, from then on, you know, it wasn't a big life change for me and my brother. Cause like I said, we already had a, a good group of friends here. So that was really, you know, I didn't have the new school kind of not knowing anybody your senior year, you know, I knew all them guys. So it, it made it, you right. know, just kind of a transition to, leaving my old friends behind, which, which I, which I did, you know, didn't really like too much, but, but knowing that I had a good group of friends here definitely made it way easier. Definitely. So had you started racing before the move or was that all, did that all come later? Oh, that, that all came later. Um, when I was about 15, I really got into sports and stuff. And, um, before that, when I was 14, we actually looked at driving like what you would call a pure stock. And, and we kind of had looked around for a while. I remember going and looking at, you know, old junk cars, you know, it was even back then, you know, 
for a pure stock, you didn't buy a chassis. You built one out of like a Monte Carlo or whatever. And we just kind of, me and dad kind of agreed that, uh, you know, once I got done with college and had a degree, um, we would start racing. So uh, when I turned 20, I, I came home from school, dropped my diploma on the table. I already had a full-time job back uh, about 20 miles away from home when I got done with college. And I said, I'm going to work so I can go buy a race car. And uh, <laughs> the next year we went and picked up our, our first car. So. Hey, so what, what was that? Uh, my first car was a 2011 Shaw. Uh, it was a IMCA sport mod. Uh, it basically, it was soda B mod. It was a spring on the housing, three link car. Uh, we ran the 602 crate motor for our deal. Uh, raced that for about two years. Had a, had a lot of success the second year. The, the first year, you know, your rookie year uh, can go you know, pretty, pretty up and down. It was either I was fixing front end and 10, or I was, you know, running, you know, say fifth to eighth. So, uh, when I got in the class, it kind of was the year it kind of blew up. So we were actually getting 20 to 30 B mods at every track that we'd go to, uh, excluding Underwood at the time. That's yeah. I mean, they get some pretty impressive, uh, turnouts out there out, out West in North Dakota. It's, the uh, the IMC glasses are are pretty strong out that way. Yeah, you know the the it's no secret uh, we're all facing the economy woes. You know everywhere it seems like so the car counts have been down this year, but but typically you know you're talking full fields in almost every class. You know that that I'll brag about us is you know a lot of car counts decreased this year and ours actually increased. So so that was pretty cool mm-hmm. on our end. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of. Uh, racing and racing history and i'm i'm really big on the history stuff i think that uh you know it's really cool to go back and see you know the studs and that were racing back then and just give credit to them because without them we wouldn't even be racing you know exactly it uh i've found some pretty cool racing history stuff uh myself here i haven't haven't shared it with the whole uh whole racing world yet but definitely going to be getting on that in a bit but it is so neat to look back and see you know even just somewhere like Minot I want to say that's one of the oldest tracks that's the oldest track in North Dakota is it not I believe it's the longest club ran track uh and it might for sure in North Dakota it might even be in the country um wow. uh don't quote me on that uh but I'm pretty yeah, sure I know I think I've heard that as well yeah I'm pretty sure yeah, it it's is not, yeah and you're talking there's other tracks that have been run that have you know bought and sold and and shut down and reopened and stuff but that it's uh it's the longest running and, and always uh club run yeah yeah that that place out there I mean you talk about like Hank Albers Don Mack guys like that um you know old school sprints back you know, in the sixties and seventies, that was the, that was the thing in Minot and, and it's always been a huge sprint car town. So I've always uh, loved looking back at that stuff. And now that we get to do it, even though it's, you know, a lesser horsepowered uh, car than a 410, it's still pretty neat to say that you drove a sprint car on the same track as some of these legends that came in through the state. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, uh, you know, if you don't, what do they say? If you don't know where you came from, how do you know where you're going, right? That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but so right now you're uh, 
your home base at that time, you guys were running out of Minot or out of uh, mostly Minot and uh, and Underwood. When, yeah, when so, did Underwood even get started up again? Okay, okay, so with the Sport Mod deal, we we typically we ran Minot weekly, and then we ran Williston uh, once that year, my rookie year, and then Underwood full time. Then the second year, the Underwood track actually only ran a fair night, one night. Uh, that was before the switch to a new, uh, a new board, new membership. Uh, so mm-hmm. we only ran one race there. Uh, Devil's Lake tried to do like a Friday night IMCA deal, and we actually ran five nights there my second year. We ran Williston full-time and uh, Minot full-time. So my, my uh, second year in the Sport Mod, we raced every race for Sport Mods in North Dakota, if I remember right, and we did some traveling went to nebraska and and the sport mod was fun but then it was you know time to jump into the the class that i always uh one of the two classes i'll say that i always wanted to race which was the you know an, an a mod they say an imca modify mm-hmm. yeah and we'll we'll jump to that one in a sec i do have one question though about the, the starting out was what was your real you know, welcome to racing rookie moment there in the, uh, in the sport mods. Like what's, what's the one memory that really sticks with you and that like, holy smokes, I'm, I'm a racer now and I got to figure this out. <laughs> oh, we were racing one night in Minot and kind of, like I said, I used to, I used to run good or wreck and I was running like third actually. And typically, you know, like I said, at the time full field and I was, you know, fifth, eighth, top 10, let's say car. And I'm running up with in the front with the guys in a, in a, I was running the top. Uh, weird you know <laughs> me up there uh, <laughs> and a guy kind of slid up on my nose and I was pushing the issue you know at the time you don't know nothing but I was pushing the issue way too hard and I got put in a fence and and turned sideways and the 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 very last car on the racetrack actually hit me wide open um in the door and that was pretty, always the last place guy yeah that's a pretty pretty nasty <laughs> pretty nasty deal bent the frame uh it actually pushed the header through into the cockpit and hit me in the leg. Um, so it was a bad deal. And it's like, man, I, you know, after that, I actually, it calmed me down, which I think was the best thing for me just in racing in general. I think, you know, the old Cole trickle days of thunder deal. I was a kamikaze when I first started and that kind of turned me more to the being calculated, which was actually ended up being one of the, the best things that could happen to me. The blessing in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Besides all the work, uh, we worked all week on yeah. it just to get it ready to race that Saturday in Williston. I remember, you know, staying up till three in the morning, going home, and where I work, you you get to work at five thirty in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, so you're getting two hours of sleep all week just to go racing, and and you'd still do that today if you know if you wreck something just because we don't know any better. Yeah, slow learners in that regard. <laughs> Uh, well that's uh that's awesome okay well we'll uh we'll jump into our first section with uh, our segment here with anthony hello uh, how's it going awesome awesome anthony I, i'm excited i, I kind of got the lowdown on what we're doing here i think so have, have <laughs> you listened to the podcast before this interview at all i've listened to a couple actually but it but it's uh it's been it's been a while <laughs> so you know everything about the misfire round is what you're saying. The misfire round. Uh, 
That's what it's called. That's what that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah, I I'm not a hundred percent on on it. I, I kind of like I said, kind of got the lowdown, but we'll see we'll see how it goes here. <laughs> okay, so I'll I'll give you a refresher then. So you have two options. It's one or the other. You can't say both. You can't say neither. And uh, it's just whatever's off the cuff. Now we do, as hosts, we do have the right to ask follow up questions to your choices. Um, in which case, you may or may not answer truthfully. Um, but we're just gonna we're gonna we're just gonna light these off, and we're gonna find out if you happen to misfire on some of your answers. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Here we go. Number one, run or walk? Walk. Number two, downtown or the suburbs? Uh, Downtown. Number three, Papa John's or Little Caesars? Little Caesars. Number four, Minnesota or Michigan? Michigan. Number five, dry or tacky? Oh, tacky with the sprint car. Number six, new moon or full moon? Uh, Full moon. Number seven, cannonball run or Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, Smokey and the Bandit. Number eight, the Grammys or the Oscars? The Oscars. Number nine, gift cards or Christmas gifts? Christmas gifts. And number 10, Wissota or IMCA? <laughs> oh, boy. If I had to pick now, I would say, uh, I would still say IMCA. All right, there you have it, the misfire round. Good job. You did well. <laughs> That last one, man. <laughs> yeah, that was know, Eric's I was, question. Wanted to put you on the spot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it, uh, it's funny, you know. Everybody like Wissota, we all in Wissota country, we all just you know we laugh and joke about how IMCA guys got their rule packages all weird and whatever. And yeah. I'm sure the IMCA guys say the same thing about Wissota. <laughs> yeah, it's I, true. I know. I had a I had a guy. Um, ask me i got a story i had a guy ask me about a, a right front brake shut off what they should do on their mod and i was like imca we never ran any of that you know it's just like no idea man you guys are out there <laughs> yeah and in number four you chose michigan yeah what do you have against minnesota here <laughs> i i uh, i don't know <laughs> i like i i i like minnesota i like uh Everything outside of Minneapolis, basically. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's hard. Okay, I see. I see. But because it's there's Minneapolis in Minnesota, you had to go with Michigan. Yeah, I've, I, and I've never been to Michigan, and it would be a cool state to go visit, I guess. It was right. in my mind, too. So. Right, right. All the right. only gift thing in, that I got out of Minnesota was my wife, so. Right. <laughs> stole her from Stole Minnesota. her out of there yeah. and brought her out west. That's right. <laughs> uh, good stuff. That's funny. I'm going to get some so, hate for that, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you really backed yourself into that one. Uh, but you also said downtown, and and you say you don't like Minneapolis. So this is just a very confusing, confusing misfire. Right? Well, well, he's not referring to downtown Minneapolis, okay? No, that's true. Have you ever yeah. been to uh, downtown in, De- not, yeah, in Deadwood, South Dakota? Uh, no, I have not. That's what I was thinking of. And you, if you ever get the chance, take your, your wife down there. Oh man, you guys will have a heck of a good time. That place is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I almost made a uh, motorcycle trip down there, but, uh, didn't end up working out, but I've, I've heard good things. But, um, so, so back to, uh, back to the interview about, uh, 
but making the jump to A mods. So you uh, you decided it was time to to get the big boy engine. Yeah, how, you know, how did you like that switch? We uh, we talked it over. Uh, the sport mod was fun, and it was good. You know, we had a good car, but I wanted to upgrade, especially you know. The story I told was one time that I bent that thing. I think I bent that thing four four times. So it was pretty used up and, and you know, it was time to do something different. And it's like, well, if I'm going to buy a new car, because that was kind of the plan was to go with new, I might as well, you know, make the jump to the A mod. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I knew, I, I knew, you know, at that time I had been working a full-time job for a while and I knew that, you know, buying a 410 and a sprint car and driving to Grand Forks from Western North Dakota every week, that's not something that I could ever be able to do. But mm-hmm. I could I could race an A-Mod, you know, 40, 50 times a year and, and never leave the Western side of the state. So uh, that that played a factor. And and my dad raced A-Mods. It's just, you know, kind of the, kind of the deal. Uh, I, I look up to my dad a lot and uh, always have, I always will. Uh, so I just, you know, kind of wanted to be like my dad. Mm-hmm. No, that's, uh, that's a great reason. And you got to race with, uh, with your brother in the A-Mods as well. Yep. So Was he in that class at that point or no? No. So the, so actually, uh, I sold my tore up B-Mod to my brother and he raced it for one year as a B-Mod. And then he raced that car for one year as an A-Mod. So my second year in the A-Mod was his first year in the A-Mod. And then um, after that, the story on that car, uh, when the last night that he ran it as uh, A-Mod, he hit a tire in Dickinson in North Dakota. Just, you know, wheel-to-tractor tire contact, and the front frame horn was so weak that it just pushed the frame horn in. You know, it didn't even hit anybody at speed, so... (laughs) Just the tractor tire yep. got him. So we we used that thing up. I mean, we had her. We've had it on the frame rack. It was, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, that was cool. I I really enjoyed um, racing with my brother. You know, racing with your brother's tough though too, because in racing there's there's one guy that wins and and one guy that doesn't, and you always want to beat your brother, especially since I'm the oldest. You know, still gotta uh, pick on him. But I'll say he's far and away a better a mod driver than i than i even was when i quit racing so it's really cool he's he had a lot of success this last year in in the car he was in and and that's awesome to see that's you know like like we kind of talked we we do this as a family this is what we do we don't camp we don't fish we we go racing yeah you know that's something that a lot of people don't don't fully appreciate about uh about racing is that it really is a a commitment the the whole the whole lifestyle trying to do that kind of uh you know that level of racing and running like you did you know winning the championship and minot yep uh you know you don't do that by being one foot in one foot out and and being the president at our local racetrack in underwood on top of it you know i mean we we all we all help out um my dad, my uncle, they do the track. I mean, a lot of people help in Underwood, but my dad and my uncle do a lot of the track prep work there. And then my brother runs the show there. And then plus my dad and my brother are racing A-Mods, you know, every other day that we're not racing in Underwood. So, yeah, it's it's a huge part of our lives. And, and you know, it gave, in my opinion, it gave 
our family a good life that we enjoy. So that's kind of how I view it is we want to give back and let other people enjoy it. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I did what I did too. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll jump right into that. So, <clears throat> you know, you raced, you raced A-Mods for a couple of years. You, uh, you, you're pretty good at it. You're enjoying it, but what was the, what was the thing that started bidding your ear towards, uh, whole, the whole sprint car series deal and what, you know, what got that started? What got the wheels turning for you there? Well, so we got to go back a couple years before, you know, like the middle of 2018, it kind of correlates to when I started actually being more successful in the class. And I know that's going to sound crazy, but about the middle of 2018, I really started figuring out, you know, the setup that worked for me and how I could be competitive with the cars that I had. And, and, but it was just, I think I was burning out and, you know, you're spending on, on crazy, I don't know how to say it, crazy amount of money on this deal and to, to go race a mods and just didn't feel like I could get to the next step. I was so close to being at that step, but it's just like, um, I couldn't give any more, uh, of myself to it. And then like in 2019, um, so in the winter of 2018, 2019, I actually met my wife now. And, uh, so she raced with us throughout the summer of 19 with the AMOD and, and I just knowing, you know, what I have now, a family and stuff, I wanted all that. And that that's really hard to do in racing nowadays. It's really, really hard to race, you know, a top level competitive class for, um, uh, a guy like me that goes to work every day that, uh, that I can't afford the, some of the technology that other guys can. This is my personal opinion. I mean, it could be sound like a sob story, but I just oh, no, was, wasn't willing to put the money and the amount of time because it does when I was running good. I mean, you're, you're not at work. You're up at that shop all summer long. Uh, you're up there set seven, eight months out of the year and you're up there every day to make the car as, as good as you can and make sure it's perfect. And I just, I knew I couldn't do that and have a family. That was a, that was a big factor. And then, um, so to get to the sprint car deal about middle of June, we're sitting in the shop, me and dad, and we're always talking about, you know, how, how expensive racing was for us and stuff. And like, man, wish we could, you know, figure something out to make it a little more affordable or make it easier. Um, and we got, and my dad was getting into the YouTube stuff, uh, and he'd watch races all the time. And he pulls up, you know, this upper Midwest sprint car series race in, in Cedar Lake. And he's watching it and he's, you know, I'm working on my car. I'm not really paying attention. And, and he's talking about how cool it was. And I kind of was watching, I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty neat, you know, and then kind of, you know, back to work. And, and I think it was the next day or a couple days later, I was up there by myself and I just turned the YouTube on the TV and it was on autoplay and it showed a race they raced in Princeton in like 2018 or something. And for whatever reason, I was like, man, I'm going to watch this. And it was just the most badass race that I've ever watched in any of these cars still to this day. I mean, they had five guys racing for the lead slide jobs, uh, last lap pass for the win, everything you could ask for. I was pretty hooked and, uh, me and my dad were going to go down to Ada to check him out. And I think I ended up getting called into work or something. So he went by himself. 
uh, met Kaylee Emerson down there and the Northern Renegades were racing in Ada that year in Fargo. So he went down and watched the Ada race and, and come back and it was all, all smiles and good and had Ron's phone number. And we just made the phone call and, and talked. And, uh, I think it was like right after all the season championship stuff in August, I was just like, we're going to do this and I'm just going to do it. And, if I can get, you know, I've said it a million times to, to you guys in the group, but I always, I've always said if I could get, you know, five other guys to come race with me, that would be enough just to try and see if I could make a go of something and, and running a, running a racing series. So we drove down to Nebraska and, and picked up our first car. Um, so we built that, uh, got the car ready. We had this wild hair idea to, race at the end of the year 2019 and grand forks the umss got a got a show down there this was you know before we were big and the northern guys were still kind of coming up then they weren't as as pr- prominent as they are now so uh we had a guy called uh, his name's ryan johnson great guy races uh wing cars mostly now with the northern guys in the umss but he actually built my first motor put it in his pickup drove all the way down and we put the motor in in the parking lot in grand forks that day <laughs> and it's like a freaking go-kart race yep yeah <laughs> we, we pulled in with the car we pulled it out uh rolled it over by his trailer he had all the stuff everything that we had you know ordered or whatever and we put the whole fuel system together put the motor in fired it up broke it in uh all that stuff and went out <laughs> went out you know, I had the rookie flag on, so start in the back, did two hot lap sessions, went out. Oh, it's embarrassing now to even think, uh, you know. I knew I knew how the story ended, but I didn't know how it started, and that is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it, it doesn't even end there. I'll, I'll tell the whole oh, I know, story. Right? But yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going out in the heat, and I'm, you know, Ron's like, stay on the bottom. And me, you know, okay, I'll stay on the bottom. Well, I'm a race car driver, and uh, I'll just say, you know, you're a IMCAA mod driver, which in Western North Dakota, you know, you think you're the cream of the crop. So I followed these two cars on the bottom for two laps, and I said, this is enough of this. (laughs) (laughs) I saw somebody wailing it in on the top, so I'm like, I'm going to try it. And I went through one corner, and it was okay. I actually, I want to say I passed the car, but maybe I didn't. But I'm like, I'm just going to send it in here. And you don't know anything about driving these cars at probably one of the, you know, most intimidating tracks to race, in my opinion. It's an awesome racetrack, great place. It's just, it's intimidating even before you've wrecked there. And, and I sailed it off in one and two, and I was about 30 feet in the air, flipping, first time out, wrecked, wrecked that frame on that car. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, my, my crew guy, Sean, he... He knew you by that wreck because he was at that race, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh my God!" He said that thing just about out of the park. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and then you know, we did a big speech beforehand about how I was gonna try and bring this into North Dakota, and then I'm over there wrecked, and and uh, <laughs> you know, after obviously after everybody knew I was okay, which I I'm pretty sure I had a concussion, but I I was done for the night anyway. They're like, "Well, you're still gonna." gonna do it and i'm like man i can't even explain to you guys how much fun i had in those you know six or eight laps that i ran like it just it changed my whole perspective on what race cars can do and what what these things can do and 
and yeah, I was I was hooked. So uh, luckily, continuing the story, Blake Anderson is a UMSS guy. He had a he had a frame he'd been trying to sell, um, and that's the car that I run now. So the so about a week after that, we we drove down, picked that up. We went to uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. It's actually Elk Mountain, Wisconsin. Picked that up, brought it back, uh, and built it for for the next year for our. I was gonna say you didn't go build another car in the parking lot at Cedar Lake, did you? No, no. <laughs> we built we built that. You took your time with this one. <laughs> well, actually, we built it in about two weeks because I my plan was to run the car in Grand Forks and then do an exhibition in Underwood. We had the Cole County Classic used to be in September, so we mm-hmm. so we thrashed on it got it going and and I went out and made some laps with it in Underwood and that that went a lot better so yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah you know most people uh after getting out of the washing machine like that you know it's just ground sky ground sky ground sky you yeah, probably I'm, wouldn't be like that was awesome <laughs> you, you want to talk about crazy I went and ran uh my a mod to the next two nights after that and ran second both nights and that thing and and still went and got a sprint car. So that, that tells you how I was feeling and how I, you know, still feel about it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I can definitely, uh, I can imagine how that would really just change. Oh, I, I, I experienced it myself, getting to feel what those things can really do. And, I, uh, you know, we're at risk of turning this into a sprint car podcast here, and I realize that we're alienating the fans. But, <laughs> yeah, no. It, what uh, fans? They it, all it, left just, already. Yeah, I know. Well, we talked a mods for a while. They, <laughs> yeah, sure that I got them excited enough. <laughs> hey, but, I, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell anybody that's still listening. I love a mod racing. It's awesome. It's just not for me. You know, I I, I love it. Yeah. I still watch it. I'm I'm a freak. Uh, I actually have been keeping stats on a mods in Western North Dakota for like the past since 2016. Um, all that's the Statmaster yeah, 5000 or whatever. Master, yep, I do it for a mods <laughs> and I do it for our for our stuff too but i i do love a mod race and it's awesome it's just it, it just wasn't for me anymore yeah well you know i had a very uh you and i we kind of passed each other like ships in the night too because i sold my a mod and quit racing for a little while right as you were starting to get going in your imca stuff or right as imca was starting to spread and jamestown went imca and uh so we wouldn't have really crossed over even if i would have kept going but um but no, it was the same deal. I found that I, I could see I was getting a little bit better. I was starting to get there. But looking at the commitment I needed to make financially to, to take that next leap, you know, it was like staring up at a mountain, just like, how am I going to make this work? And I'm, if I do, I'm never going to own a home, you know? Right. And it's not so, it's not that I'm saying nobody should race an A-Mod because they are expensive. It's like you, you do what you want with your money. It's just for, oh, absolutely. for a lot of normal people it's it's unattainable now you know and and i know and and at that juncture of our of my life and 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 yours as well it sounded like that you know i was just getting out of out of university you know we had a lot of help obviously in uh, in getting that car on track and running a mods but then you're starting at not that great of a of a wage and you're wanting to to you know own a house and keep raising it's just like one of these things isn't gonna work yeah, I know you can live in a car. You can't race a house. I've heard that one, but that's one hundred. You know, that's a good one. That is that is one hundred percent true. I mean, yeah. it 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 makes it makes it well worth it to see what what we're at where we're at now. And even when we started, you know, I 
I've said it before. I I don't care if I win or run tenth. I've never not had fun in these cars, you know. So it's it it's it's just a testament to what we're doing now too. Absolutely. But we'll uh, chat a bit a bit more about that here on where where things are at and the the awesome stuff you guys got going on. But uh, flip things back over to Anthony here for the uh, in the driver's seat portion. Okay, welcome back. We're in the driver's seat now. We got seven questions. And you can take as much time as you need to answer these questions. You can answer it multiple ways. You can lie to us if you feel like it or add humor or make it super serious and sad. It's totally up to you. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Okay. Which driver did or do you have the most fun racing against? I always, always, always had a lot of fun racing with Sean Strand. Uh, like I said, the last year, year and a half I raced mods, I was actually fast enough to race with him a couple times. Um, the story on that is, if you guys don't know, Sean Strand is an excellent race car driver out of Bismarck, North Dakota. He's raced A-mods for many years, tons of championships, tons of big wins, and just an all-around great dude. And growing up, he was, you know, one of the, the guys that I looked up to when we'd go watch races on the western side of the state. And, and my dad was buddies with him and and he was friends with guys in Turtle Lake. So I always I always looked up to him. So when when I was fast enough to race with him, that was probably some of the most fun. And then my brother, too. Um, you know, I like I said, I always wanted to beat my brother. Uh, but anytime that we were both fast enough to race with each other, it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, getting a race with you, bro. I can, I, I can attest to that. It's, it's a lot of fun when it goes well. <laughs> <laughs> and when it, and when it doesn't, it's not. <laughs> no, no, I got to experience that firsthand with, uh, Eric and a certain brother <laughs> at emo once it was, well, I rode in the trailer on the way you home. You sure that day. did. <laughs> All right, number two, what went through your mind the first time you jumped into a car and started your first race? Oh, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you're just, like I said, when I started, I was a kamikaze in that sport mod deal. So it was to the woods and you just, you know, go. I never had iRacing or anything. So it was all video game stuff. It's like, I can just breathe the throttle here and and it'll turn and we'll go and then that that didn't work <laughs> uh, I think I blew it off the track about four times and by the end of it I was like you know I I want I at the end of it it was a different deal than like any other car that I drove where I kind of had the experience and the handle on it it was like me having the drive and knowing that this is what I wanted to do and I needed to figure it out that was that was the biggest thing, but yeah, right away I was like, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> it was a weapon, a squirrel. <laughs> Number three, if you went three wide with a lap to go, which spot would you prefer to be in, the inside, middle, or outside, and why? High side, live or die by it. <laughs> that's that's all there is to it. Uh, I I I love running the top when there's a top to run. Uh, even if there's not, you usually catch me up there at least once in the future, even if I know I shouldn't just to try it. So definitely be on the high side. Number four, what do blah, What do you do in the car bef- just before you drive out of the pit stall? To be honest, I'm usually praying. Um, I pray before every race. I, I pray for myself. I pray for all my guys, especially now with running the Sprint Car Series. Uh, it's just something that I do 
really calms me down and, and lets me know that whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but I know that I'm going to be protected. Number five, what race would you consider the one that got away? <laughs> Most recently, uh, there were a couple this year. Uh, one night, I got two. I'll give you a longer answer for this one. One night we were racing in Devil's Lake, and I was out front the whole race, the whole race till the last. We had a restart with about three or four to go, and I knew the top was going away, but I hadn't seen anything, and it was, you know, one of those deals where you don't know you're running scared, and I went in on the top how I had been driving, and and I got past uh, on the bottom, and I actually had set the car up too tight, so I was really under driving the car at the start. So I didn't, you know, with these sprint cars, you can get them on the bike when they're when they're too tight. So it, as the track wore off, I didn't speed my driving style back up to where the car was tight enough where it would stick and it wouldn't, you know, get re- left rear light. And after I did that, I I was just as fast as the guy that passed me, but I was I had moved down in three and four. So I couldn't get all the way down to the bottom where I where I needed to be to stick the moisture and it and it cost me. In Glendon, we were in the rubber racing uh, slot cars there, and and I got to the lead and the yellow come out and I kept telling myself for five laps you just got to stick it stick it on the bottom in the rubber here and you're gonna win and and what do you go do you drive it in over your head too deep and slide out of it and get past and and same deal I was I, I think. I was better even in the rubber than the guy that won, but I can't, you know, especially in sprint car racing, but just me in general, I'm not going to move a guy out of the way to, to win the race. So those are two that definitely got away from me there this year. Bummer. Yeah, no. There's there's nothing like that feeling of the, the haunting, like the dreams that you'll have of those <laughs> races after and, Oh, just being so close and watching him get away from you. That's terrible. Everybody forget forgets about the person who finished second. That's right. Yeah. Drive halfway home thinking about what you could have did differently, you know? Yeah. You'll never forget though. <laughs> you never forget. Everybody else does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, if you could sit down with one or up to three people from any time in motorsports, who would it be and why? Oh, man. I'd like to sit down with Jack Hewitt for sure just because I think it'd be a really enjoyable conversation he's a funny dude uh listening to his interviews and stuff I, I'm gonna go a lot of history here uh Doug Wolfgang just because you know he was kind of our region of the country world of outlaw famous world of outlaw sprint car guy just just his knowledge like what what he could teach you about driving and and things that he would do that would that would be a good one. And honestly, just to go with, in my opinion, the greatest race car driver of all time in North America, AJ Foyt, same deal, just to hear the stories of like coming up, you know, when AJ was coming up, the the top guys raced USAC and then used, I, I don't know if USAC was the Indy 500, but he'd go race a dirt race. And then the next week he'd go run, you know, the biggest race in, in North America, the Indy 500. Just hear stories like that about traveling through the country and and honestly racing cars that back then you knew the risk when you got in. It's it's a much different uh, much different deal than what we do now. Not that it's one hundred percent safe because it's still not, 
but I mean, guys were getting killed and just knowing that and still doing what you love just because of, you know, the way we all feel about this sport, that would be awesome. Some pretty good choices. And number seven, if dirt track racing didn't exist, what type of racing would you prefer? I I don't know. That's tough. I honestly, something that's kind of coming up that's caught my eyes. They have these uh, like UTV uh, races. It's basically like Supercross with the UTV. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You know, get a get a Razor One Thousand out there, turboed up, soup to the max, and just fly off ridiculous jumps and drive the wheels off it, tip it over, and keep going. You know. <laughs> can you bring a passenger? I don't know if you can in them. I. I don't know. It'd be awesome. It'd be great if that was one of the mandatory rules. Right. They had to have a navigator. Oh, man. Have you ever yeah. watched some of them rally cross videos? That would be something cool to try, too, where them navigators and they, like, crash and, like, their pen and their book is just flying all over in the car and their hands are up in the air. And, like, you got to be something crazy to get in something like that that you have no control over what happens to you. Yeah, like I would, I'd love to try rally racing, but I don't think you would ever catch me trying to be a friggin' navigator. That's <laughs> insane. Like, here, let me read these insane notes that I took while we were driving through this at like a quarter of the speed yeah. and uh, and not look at the road. You guys, would, you guys would get it, but when they said meters, I'd be lost instantly, so. <laughs> it's like R7, slight left to turn three, don't cut R6. when you hear don't cut then it's like oh no <laughs> <laughs> but that time i already committed to the cut yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah all right that's it for in the driver's seat some great answers thank you thanks anthony that was fun yeah no that was awesome so 2019 you uh you flip your dick off in grand forks <laughs> somehow decide yeah let's do that again i'm back for more of this <laughs> And uh, and you're still committed to getting the the Western Renegades going here in 2020. How did that how did that come about? How how were you able to get drivers to sign up for that right away? You know, I think part of it is is luck, um, but I think some of it too, without sounding too arrogant, is is a is a respect a respect thing. Um, my family's been involved in racing for 30 years, and if you count the couple years, my grandpa did it you know back in the late 50s early 60s we just always been around the sport and I think the fact that I was such a diehard racer and would go anywhere and race anything I think a lot of people knew that if I was going to do this that they were going to be able to race and I was going to do everything I could to get us you know as many shows as I could Uh, you got to have shows I think it would have been a lot tougher if we only would have been able to get 10 or 12 races a year but we actually we're able to schedule 30 that first year before, you know, the pandemic and all that crap happened. But I think that was the, the, the biggest thing is like, um, knowing that my, my family is, this is what we do. And this is something that I was going to be involved with to try to make it as successful as I could. Yeah, I mean that that absolutely makes a difference at the end of the day, right? When you know it's not some guy trying to make money off of this deal, but it's really just he's a racer who's doing it for the racers, right? Yeah, I would say that's that's what I that's what I'm trying to get at. You say it a lot better than I do. Yeah, I think that helps immensely when it's a guy who understands. I think it still helps to this day with our group, as I understand your guys' side of things when we when we have to make decisions. 
uh, the owner side of it, you know, I, I want to do what's best for us, but I don't want to do something that's going to, you know, affect our quality of what we have going for us. Honestly, I'm, I'm surprised that it's, I, I honestly did not even realize that 2020 was the first year of, of you running that series. I, uh, I thought that it was a lot, but I've been going a few years longer than that. So I'm, I'm blown away by, uh, by the way you guys have been able to pull this together so quickly there was you know there definitely must have been a a bit of a thirst for cost effective sprint car racing yeah uh, i think part of uh, it too eric is that you know we've been racing modifies for 40 years now you know in this area and especially in the western side of the state i won't say the other side because they got you know four tens and late models but Late models, you know, we have a few on this side of the state, but never really took off into anything that could be bigger. So I think the fans kind of showed too that they were they were ready to see something different. Our first year, we had a couple tracks just give us an opportunity to even go there, you know, once or twice. Example would be, you know, Grand Forks had one show with us and Minot had two and Underwood had two. No, Underwood had three, excuse me. But now you look at our schedule now, and those are tracks that you know we couldn't we couldn't put the programs we put together without them. There's such a huge support and bought in, and I think you know the 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 fans speak for itself. If the fans are enjoying it um, and coming in, that makes the racetrack money. The racetrack makes money. They're gonna say, hey, this is a cost effective car, not only for the drivers but for the racetracks to run. We we want to bring these guys in. And that, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to have a special class that didn't hurt the racetracks that could come in and put on an awesome show for the fans and the fans would love it because it's, you know, something they've never seen before. It's something different. And, and I would put our quality of racing most, I would say 85% of the time up against anybody's for how good the racing is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the thing is that it's so different. There hasn't been traditional sprint cars in North Dakota since they started putting wings on them. Right. Yeah. 100%. Like just, I think it hasn't happened for so long. I to go back to it now is, uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's cool. I think when we promoted it up in Minot and kind of like myself and the racetrack, it was like, they, I think there was something out there like 1972 was the last time a non-wing sprint car raced on that racetrack. And that's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know, so that definitely brings interest. Like what they're going to race a sprint car without a wing on it. We got to go check this out. And I mean, depending on who you talk to, uh, but I know that the people that run the place say that place gets a lot of fans when we're in town. So that's, that's excellent. That's what we want. Exactly. It's about, well, it's, it's about entertainment. That's the thing at the end of the day, uh, you know, I always say there's two ends of the spectrum. There's putting on a race or putting on a show. A race, it's just purely who's the fastest. Doesn't matter if one guy stinks up the show every week, Formula One style. Yeah. Or if it's all the way at the other end of the spectrum where it's a show and not really even a, you know, it gets start to blur the lines when you get to you know NASCAR right. of uh, of real competition, right? Um, you know, you, we got to be somewhere in between in dirt racing and, but you still got to put on a show. You got to bring the fans in. That's what, that's what pays the bills. Right. So. Right. And it doesn't matter what class it is. It's got to be, like you said, there's got to be competition. And I think, 
you know, we have a we have a couple guys that are that are really good in our group, but the competition is always close. I would say, you know, just just to say, you know, Adam Adam won a lot of races this year, but it wasn't like he was out, you know, kicking our hind end every single night. It was some close, tough races and I always say stats don't lie, but they don't always tell the whole truth either of how the racing was. If you just looked at a result sheet and didn't actually look at timing and watch the race back, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, it, it was close. We, we did our best to keep them honest anyway. <laughs> That's all we can do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so you've, uh, you go from starting the series out here and, and, and racing in it. And what's the toughest part about being a, and series owner and driver because that doesn't really even since uh since kaylee's been running the northern series for you know for a little while he's he almost stepped away from the the driving side of it more just to focus on running the series so so how do you pull that off i i mean i do have a lot of help the the a lot of the actual like hard hard stuff you know doing timing and scoring setting lineups um that type of stuff all the racetracks around the area are always willing to help. I, I always shout Steven Young out whenever he's around. He basically takes care of all that stuff for me, setting the lineups. He knows he knows how we run our program, and, and it's great to have that. And then uh, I, I'm going to me- mess her last name up because it's different now, but I'll say Jen up in Minot, and she does Williston too. Uh, helps in Underwood they they just all do a great job that that takes a lot of the work away mentally it is taxing on me I'm I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, you know we're at this point where we're kind of at a 30 show is kind of our limit and that's more than enough to do both I think if we ever did more than that I would have to step away from the race car I won't say that I do it fully because I still love racing in the class, but I definitely, if we were getting to a point where we're big enough to do what I want to do, I wouldn't race every non-wing show. It just wouldn't be feasible. And it, and it's actually a, a hindrance to guys like you that are in the series that I would try to do both. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, we, this is actually more, more of the busier, more stressful part of the year is getting, trying to get ready to get some sponsorship for the guys and for the series and trying to get the schedule set up and, and everybody's schedule is how it is. And you have to try to work yourself into something that not only works for them, but works for everyone. And that's not always easy. You know, the, the hardest thing for me myself is I, I feel like I'm a really nice guy and it's hard for me to do the things that I don't like to do, like if we're having problems and stuff, which thankfully, to your guys' credit, 95% of the time it's wonderful and I wouldn't trade it for the world. So I always think about that when I'm having those 5% of the times where I got to, you know, kind of be a jerk or whatever. Hey, you can't always be Mr. Nice Guy in that role, that's for sure. But no, it's it's great. And we can't say enough about what you guys have done. And, and even now taking it to... Uh, Going to the next level of uh, of doing event promoting with it, you know, putting on the the non wing nationals at uh, at Devil's Lake Speedway last year, just what a fantastic event that was! Just had an absolute blast getting to do that whole weekend and with all the guys that came up from from all over the place. You know, tell us about how what what got the wheels turning for that one uh, in your brain and what uh, and how did that all shake out from your end? Not actually getting to drive in it. Well, so me and me and Sam, you know, when we started this deal, we said that we wanted to do something like this. 
obviously, you know, um, again, I'm probably going to sound arrogant, but with the success that we've had in the short amount of time that we've been running, this was like a five, 10 year in my business plan to have a big event, not year three. But I felt, you know, we had grown enough as a series and I knew that there would be interest just knowing some guys from the UMSS and knowing that we could get support from Kaylee's group because they tend to support us pretty well, especially at the time of the year that I wanted to do this, um, that we just decided to do it. And then, you know, the not driving thing for me is I, I, I don't, I don't race the sprint car for, for money or notoriety. I do it because I love it and I love sprint car racing and I want the money and the notoriety of the big race to go to you guys, the guys that support my class, my series, uh, this whole renegade brand, because I, I get to do what I love. I, I say it all the time on socials and stuff, but it, it's true. I, I, I love running a racing series. It's, it's something that I, that I really enjoy. And I like seeing, you know, you guys go out and put on a show and, and with the, with the nationals deal this year, I think we proved to a lot of guys that, you know, we're just as fast as the best guys in this class. You know, our fast guys are just as fast as anybody's fast guys. And, and that was really cool for me to see. And the best compliments that I got was from UMSS guys saying how much they enjoyed the, the, how hard we raced them guys, but how, with how much respect we raced them guys with. And that, that meant a lot to me as a group that we have a good name that you're going to be able to come out and race with us. And we're going to race you really hard, but we're going to, we're going to do it with respect. And that, that means the world to me. I uh, couldn't agree more. Oh, the whole thing was just so much fun getting into Grand Forks and then the uh, the whole event format. It just, I don't know, I, I don't think it could have gone much better for a first crack at it, for sure. And I'm, I'm really excited for what this year holds for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some things with the format that we kind of just screwed up, but we, we can make it better. We have some ideas on how to make it a little more smoother. And, and then the second night to get, you know, the main race on a, on a little better racetrack, you know, we had 34 non-wing sprint cars tear up a racetrack pretty quick. And, and Nolan did an excellent job of giving us a, uh, the, he always does, in my opinion, giving us the absolute best racetrack that he can. Mm-hmm. So the second night, you know, I would say this year, we're going to flip it and run the, run the main race first and run the non-qualifiers race after just so just so you guys can get on some more grip right away and, and not get it so slicked off, you know, that halfway third of the way through the race or whatever, uh, just yeah. better racing. And then, uh, but yeah, the format was awesome. You know, if you're, you know, we, we do have some diehard fans and I bet the diehard fans were just following it along with the running a, a point system to set the lineups and, and points locking you in, you know, basically it was like a mini Knoxville national style setup. We just ran two of their days and one and then ran the championship night the next night. But I know a lot of guys really said they liked it cause you had to earn it, but other guys said they liked it because it gave them a shot to, you know, win some races and gain, gain points that way. If they struggled in one portion or the other, I said, I said too, you know, I like the points deal because you can have one bad segment, whether it's your qualifying heat race or feature, and it's and it's not going to completely put you out of it right away. If you gained enough points in the others, you're still going to have a chance. It was great. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't want to don't want to dig too deep for uh, for any spoilers or anything, but 
what's uh, what's the broad strokes of what you got planned here for for 2023? Yeah, we're you know we're planning on getting. Uh, I mean, what we've announced so far is obviously our core four tracks will be will be back at uh, Devil's Lake, our home track, and then Underwood, McLean County Speedway, Nodak Speedway, and River City Speedway. And then this year there was a, a enough interest, I think, to go back to Dickinson this year, which Dickinson was a lot of fun. We went there the, the first year we raced, and and they've been asking for us, and, you know, they're looking to do some extra stuff for us when we come out, which is really neat to see the, the new people in charge are really passionate about getting us out there. So hopefully, hopefully that's a success. You know, we've been successful at these other four tracks that we go to, and and there is a sixth track that I'm working with that I'm pretty sure is going to happen. It's just if their schedule works out with our schedule, we're just kind of waiting on a few things, but I'm not 100% ready to announce. I know Eric's got the inside info on that a little bit, but we won't spoil it till till we announce it. And then, and we also have you know something a little bit different we're going to do for the drivers this year. Um, and and again, it's hopefully if it works out, it's going to be a little bit added bonus of of pay for some things when it's all said and done but i don't know that we want to give that all away quite yet too so but there there's some new exciting things on the horizon uh you know the nationals deal uh that's expected i mean i can announce that on here i'll give i'll give you guys that that's that's expected to go again i'm excited for that again won't race that weekend Um, i think it's my job to make sure that that weekend goes off without a hitch and definitely, like I said, learn some things, going to get some more help on my end for that with the amount of cars and people. I think that's something that's just going to continue to grow uh, as we establish it as, you know, in my opinion, one of the biggest races for this series in, in the region. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Again, just can't say can't say enough about how much fun it was, and uh, and the whole year. It just you guys are doing a great job, and I'm really excited for the future here. So this is uh, it's been great having you on. I I, I think that you know uh, there's a lot of people in the in the, a lot of our fans here that uh, probably didn't know too much about a guy from all the way out by Underwood. So it's uh, great to have you on. Thanks for sharing. No, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I mean anybody that's interested. Uh, in getting with us and up in your guys's area don't be afraid to ask that's the biggest thing i tell people who are interested ask me ask some of our drivers we're all more than willing to help and we want to see it grow and continue to grow not just in north dakota but throughout the country it's 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 the most sustainable sprint car racing class you're ever going to find so if you wanted to drive a sprint car forever we can we can make that happen absolutely i, I think we've got uh that's a you know just make this a big renegade uh, stroke off at the end here, but it really, <laughs> it really is the best rules package I've seen anywhere for, for sprints where it's balanced of, you know, it's spending crazy amounts of horse or crazy amounts of money to go about the same speed. You know, it's uh it's a really good balance that we've got. And, and at the end of the day, they're still badass sprint cars and they're awesome to watch. So. 100%. Hey, we won't end it on sprint cars. We'll give your mod guys something, uh, TPO was going to win the dirt nats again if he didn't get that flat tire. And it's crazy that you can't change a left front flat or keep driving with one. You guys, Yeah, I, I was surprised that he didn't. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't watching live that he didn't uh, 
You just try and tough it out without uh, without the left front, well, but it must have been. Well, so Gateway has an air pressure rule that you have to have oh. a certain amount of air in your tire to continue to run. So I think they actually forced him off. Don't quote me on that. I I only know Tyler through racing against him. So uh, he was always very respectful, nice to me, and he's always been really fast. But I was just really pulling for him, and I was like, man, that stunk when he they said he pulled yeah. off of the flat tire and passing for second. Yep, you know. So oh, well, that's tough, you know, man. Our mod guy, our mod guys can compete. I don't care if it's with Soda IMCA; they've proven at the highest level, and that that should make all of us proud. So there, there's your guys's modify stuff. I'll say. There you go. We'll end it on a, a good mod. <laughs> <laughs> right on, buddy. Well, thanks again. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Uh, you know, hopefully we can meet up in person next time and uh, and get going with a bit more of the racing stories. But this was great. Thank you. No, thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it and, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Miles. All right. Well, that was uh, that was fantastic. I had a blast chatting with Miles there. How about you, there, Anthony? Did you learn anything new? Uh, no, I didn't learn anything about sprint cars at all. The S word. Yes, <laughs> it was good. Don't you worry, know, folks. He's, he had he had a great story to tell. I think it's a great example of um, just the the generation after generational involvement in the sport. And I mean, that happens in all sports, but. Um, mm-hmm. it's really neat to see just how, how personal it can be, how the longevity of the sport from one generation to another. Um, because even if you don't want to be a racer, although in, in his case, you know, Miles always dreamed of being a racer just as a result. Um, but like, even if you're not into the racing part, like myself, for example, I'm in the entertainment side of the things, you know, we have people here in, in Kenora that are, that, that have no interest in racing at all, but they've come to know so many great people that they volunteer their time because they get to see those people who do enjoy racing that come every week. Right. And they just feel so good at being a part of that community, even if they have no interest in racing. So it just shows you how, how many different facets of this community you can be a part of without feeling like you need to be a mechanic or a promoter or a hardcore fan or anything like that. And I think Miles just did a really good job of just trying to show show those different examples. Yeah, definitely. But anywho, we got Mad Max in studio. How's it going, brother? Hey, brother. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's good to hear from you guys. Yeah, definitely. Glad, good to have you back. Uh, let's, let's jump right into the mailbag here. All right. Well, without uh, further ado, it's been a, a long wait, but let's hop back into uh, the mailbag. So I sent out the, the question on the good old Facebooks, and um, we got our first question in here from uh, Chris Seymour. He wants to ask, what is the positive or negatives of attending or hosting a two to three day show? Well, as a racer, uh, the negatives are the hangover. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. Like I understand it, but I don't. I, like we never learned that uh, everyone always just goes full send on night one, and I think that's probably why they start having practice nights at the bigger shows, so that everyone like does that on you know the night before the mm-hmm. first night, so at least you get it out of your system, kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because oh, it's always just so much fun. It's a big party, and everyone's there. And they're all staying at the track, and you get carried away, and then there's always one. 
that it's just like they're just too hungover to race the next day. <laughs> so that's the, that's a downside. But the upside, I mean, it's the big shows. You know, uh, you you want to be the best when uh, you know, when the best are out there racing against you, and it's uh, it's always fun to test your metal against uh, against the big dogs when it's for some big money. So that's the racer side of it for me, anyway. Uh, so I would say on the, on the positive side, there is, I love having people spending time at the racetrack beyond just showing up to the race and then leaving. And even, even as a fan going to another track that has a two day show, um, it's nice to like actually spend time in an evening just talking about racing and lots of other stuff and just having a good time and sharing stories. And you don't get that on single night racing events. So it's just, that's probably one of the things I enjoy the most. It, putting the dinner jacket classic to a two day show on the, on the long weekend in August was really great for us because it really starts to build, I think a lot of that bond and we really fit mm. really well in the schedule as a result. So I never thought it would be that possible, you know, be possible that quickly for us to, to be able to host a two day show and, and see it be successful. Um, but it's just really turned into something. So that's the positive side. The negative side is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. I know I put a lot of pressure on myself. I did when I was in, in emo, I've done it here. Um, I want everything to be perfect because it's a two day show. You know, the thing is when you have a one-off race night, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what is what it is. It wasn't the end of the world because, you know, we might only had 30 cars or 40 cars and, you know, that's just the circumstance. But when you have a big crowd, you have big sponsorship, you have big car counts and it's a big event that means a lot. Um, paying attention to your health <laughs> and paying attention, like, like, I don't even like for me, I don't even drink you know, on, on those events that I host, like that two day show, everyone else having a good time. And I'm just, I'm really focused. Um, you're not out there stealing back out <laughs> farming the track at night. Oh, I, I, I'm, I do that. I'll grade the racetrack <laughs> and whatnot, but I'm not, you know, I'm not having a, you're not drunk while you're doing it. No, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of pressure on our volunteers to go back at it after spending a day in the heat and, and then some of them having a really good time, you know, and then having to go back out there. So they're, you know, it's, it's a lot of strain. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a negative per se, uh, as long as you're mindful of it, but, uh, it, yeah, it can be, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Well, I mean, that's, that's definitely a good way to, to put it. I know I've had, um, some great stories and great memories, both as a, a track person and now on Eric's racing team, um, getting to know fellow racers in the camaraderie, it's it's been a it's been a, a great time. Uh, moving on to our second question here from uh, our good friend Stoge, um, as a racer, Eric, I guess this would be more for you. Uh, what is the most important part of a race program? You know, I, I'd say for for a racer, the best advice I could give somebody starting out is that your equipment needs to be um, needs to be reliable. So that doesn't just mean go buy everything brand new and spend the spend more money than everyone else, but it also means that 
you can't expect miracles out of junk, right? That if you're going to try and piece something together for less than a quarter of the cost of what it should be costing you and you don't know what you're doing, you know, that when that part lets you down, it's just going to ruin entire weekends and, uh, and just ruin your season, ruin your momentum so bad. So focusing on starting out, having a decent running race engine, you know, a carburetor that works and doesn't <laughs> sputter and fart and, and act up on you all the time, having your ignition system right, having all that stuff working right is really key because when that's consistent, then you can start focusing on getting the car handling better. But if your car's not running right, it doesn't matter how it's handling because it's just, you can't set up for a car that has a big sputter and a miss, you know? And now towards uh, you, Anthony, as a owner or promoter, uh, what is the most important part of your race program? The whole thing. Um <laughs> I don't know if there's there's different priorities for different people who are on the race day and or at our race day and as a promoter it comes down to all the pieces um in terms of the most important part. I would probably say the most important part is probably having a race surface that's going to work. Um it's not going to work out every week, but I think that if you put in the, you got to put in the effort and try to be mindful of what you're, you're putting into it. And, um, that's the first step. And then the rest, I think the other important part is how, how do you engage your audience when you're, uh, doing that event, you know, making sure that, you know, cautions are dealt with efficiently that people feel welcomed, that you try to maintain a good intermission. I mean, it's just so hard to pick one thing. I mean, well, I'm sure it, really it is as a racer really too. So many pieces to it, right? Yeah. Like, oh man, it's uh, the the only thing that makes it not seem impossible is that, uh, or from my point of view anyway, is that at least a lot of those things you'll you'll find your rhythm and you'll you know, they're not always things you're going to have to get intend with every single night because you'll find your formula for what works for your track and your fans That's or right. your, your, your racing service. And you want to change it over time too and, and try different things as well. So though the importance of trying different things has as much value and weight. I guess, you know what? Scratch everything I just said. The most important <laughs> thing for your race program is for it not to rain on your race day. <laughs> well, you know, the moment you say that, you just lost all hope. Uh, I know. We don't mention that. <laughs> no, but you, you got Well, it's one of those things, right? If you don't face it forward, then you're never going to face it at all. And I think when it comes to that, it comes to weather, I think the most important thing to our program is being aware of your weather and what kind of changes you have to make as a possible result. I mean, we, you know, best case I can give is the end of August. You know, we had it was going to rain. It was going to rain. It was going to rain. It was just like, okay, well we had to make an audible. We had to say, we're going to, you know, get rid of intermission or we're going to do this. We might have to cut laps. You know, we're going to do everything we can to get this program. And so being adaptive to that, that situation as best you can, that's, that's, that's really important because if you don't have that, if you can't race, you have no program to consider being important. So um, when you think of all the pieces that make a race night important, and you can't really single out each one. I think the only thing you can really single out is the weather. 
So yeah, that's my longest, shortest answer I've ever provided on this podcast. Yeah, I, I guess for you, it's it's pretty hard to uh, rely on the weather. Um, but do you do you find it's more of a balance trying to find that balance between uh, your track side with the racers and then a balance also dealing with the race fans and the promotion part? Or do you have it pretty, pretty well balanced? I think that there's different needs and there's different times in which those needs need to be dealt with or need to be uh, handled. Um, on a, on a race, you can't, you can't be trying to get fans in the door when the back gate's already open. <laughs> the fans are coming or not, but that ship has sailed. <laughs> right, right. So there, yeah. there's certain levels of like promotion, whether it might be like payout promotion or event promotion or whatever the case might be, you know, just being welcoming, um, that type of stuff for your drivers. And that's happening at, that's happening all the time. First of all, like, don't, don't think for one second, cause it's winter that I'm not trying to get ideas or suggestions or have communication and, and so on with, with drivers and, and their crews and whatnot and people who are really committed. Um, it, it, I think it gets a little bit more complicated when you start running into your variable fans because we have our hardcore fans that are there every week, whether it's pouring rain or not, you have your semi hardcore fans that are there sometimes most of the time, but not all the time. Then you have your casual fan. And then you have what we have a lot of right now in Kenora is first time fans. And what kind of impression can you provide upon your first time fans when you're getting 25 to 30, 40, sometimes even 50 new fans every week, what kind of impression are you providing? And, and, and I think that's really important is, is trying to have a, at least a welcoming and opening um, uh, thing. I think that the expectations for first timers in our area, who's maybe never seen a dirt track race in their life. Um, I, I think they probably expected maybe a lot more, you know, like hillbilly kind of things going on <laughs> that it was just some backyard racing where, you know, there's just some people who just have some old junkers and they're just blowing them up after a race night. And I think there's a little bit of, uh, uh, bit of a assumption of that yeah misconception or assumption of that and so when they come there even though we don't have the greatest bleachers and it looks like we're still building the darn thing as we're racing one of the most common responses i get is i didn't realize how well organized it was that 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 there's a start time there's heat races there's an intermission there's you know uh events at intermission there's feature races there's you know checkered flag and you know what i mean like people are aren't or don't people who are fresh to this don't their assumptions are completely different than than and expectations are completely different to when they get there and then they go their minds are blown by just how how it's how the operation works that it, you really are coming for an entertainment venue it's not just uh, some people who just you know picked up a car in the junkyard and turned laps it's easy to blow away uh, expectations when they don't have any, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great. And I think that is as long as we can, and from that point on, if we can continue to improve our program in ways possible, um, then they're going to keep coming back and hopefully you turn them into a hardcore fan. Because, you know, a hardcore fan, they don't care whether it's, you know, what's going on, as long as they know there's cars turning and, you know, going around in laps. But uh, for other people, it might be a little different. That's a that's a very good point. Well, I uh, I think that was pretty good for our first uh, mailbag of the year. I appreciate you guys uh, sticking through the questions. Uh, no worries, they're great. Else? They're great questions. They're great questions. <laughs> yeah. 
and to anybody Everyone, listening, keep them coming. yeah, anybody the, listening, uh, I, I highly recommend you know shooting any one of us a message, even uh, our Bench Racing Radio Facebook page. Uh, send us a message. Send us your questions. Uh, we got plenty more to uh, to say. Plenty more to uh, open up. I guess you could say. Um, any any final words from you, Eric? No, I mean it's just awesome to have the the pod back on track here. I finally feel like I got my life under control <laughs> enough that we can do it. So this is good. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I'm looking forward to uh, to season three here. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of kind of guests we can pull this winter, and uh, what kind of trouble we can get fun. in with our comments. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is the year we get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the one. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't want anyone to get canceled. But I mean, if we did, it'd be a pretty funny story. So. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> people would actually have to be listening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Bench Racing Radio. It's great to be back here. It's also great to answer your questions. Uh, Be sure, if you have not listened to our previous 40 episodes, can you believe we've done 40 whole episodes up to this point? Be sure to check them out wherever you get podcasts. We will catch you next time on Bench Racing Radio. Thanks for listening to Bench Racing Radio. Like and follow our social media handles. Facebook at Bench Racing Radio. Twitter at Bench Racing Rat 1. Or Instagram at Bench Racing Radio.